And two months after we got married, I came home one afternoon and he was trashed. And I mean, not just drunk. He was on, I don't know if it was heroin. I don't know what he was on, but he wasn't even rational. Hmm. Um, But my definition of codependence is a constant pattern of setting yourself on fire to keep someone else warm. Oh, yes. So, you know, I mean, he was wasted. Mm -hmm. And I believe the story he told me that he was upset about his sister. Um, I lied for him. Mm. I did all these things that people in codependent relationships do. Yeah. Um, And, you know, the biggest thing I did was lie to myself. Hey, welcome to this special bonus episode. In fact, this is my 50th episode. Uh, It just seems like I just started this podcast uh, not too long ago. I've grown it to a place where I have many listeners around the world and I've met so many great people and connections. Um, I don't know what to say. I'm just so thankful for um, coming across so many great people and being able to help and heal everyone um, from listening to these podcast uh, episodes. I hope you're getting a lot out of it. So with that said, enjoy this 50th bonus episode and you can expect a lot more things coming in the pipeline. I have a great surprise also. Check me out on the Facebook fan page or the Instagram, the On Call Empath. If you have some questions, if you want to be part of the tribe, reach out to me. I'm always here to listen to you guys. Thanks again for all the love and support. Let's go ahead and get started. You're listening to the On Call Empath Show. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the On Call Empath. I'm your host, Raj Montaj. Um, today I have a guest by the name of Pamela Riley. Um, she's a naturopath doctor. I'm looking forward to talking about this because I know a lot of you empaths and highly sensitive people have requested um, to cover codependency, trauma bond, narcissism. But Pamela's going to tell her story about being married uh, for 10 years to a pastor, and then the marriage kind of fell apart after two months. And, um, you know, she was shocked to find out the secrets that he's been keeping from her of alcoholism and addiction. And we're going to dive more into that. But the main reason I want to, you know, um, you know, have this topic and this discussion is because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, living with somebody or has have some sort of abuse in the past. Um, and I think this is going to help out a lot of highly sensitive people and empaths to look out for those, um, those types of uh, signs and what to look out for and what not to. Um, so I think you're going to get a lot of value into it. So let's dive in. Pamela, how are you today? Hi, I am wonderful. Thank you. And I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes. I I mean, the first time I talked to you, it was like, wow, like the story that you told me, I'm like, the world needs to hear it. There's so many people out there that can resonate with your story. So uh, let's just dive right in. And I know that you had kind of told me about a little bit about your 
the the situation you were in with your husband and the codependency and the verbal abuse. Um, I'm going to let you just kind of explain uh, your situation um, to the audience and and go from there. Okay, thank you. Um, I well, first of all, I grew up in an alcoholic household, and even though I mean, I honestly had a great childhood. I'm not in denial. Um, <laughs> my my father hit his rock bottom after I had um, moved. I mean, you know, I was an adult by the time he hit his rock bottom. Mm-hmm. But in spite of that, I still had a lot of the traits of adult children um, of alcoholics. So I, um, by the time I was 27, I was convinced I mean, I just believed I was worthless. I didn't believe anyone could love me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the first guys that really paid attention to me, I just fell head over heels in love with. Mm-hmm. Um, he <laughs> was, he was, you know, he was working in full-time ministry. He was helping in pe- he was helping people. So I thought, oh, this is the guy. <laughs> and then Two months after we got married, I came home one afternoon and he was trashed. And I mean, not just drunk. He was on, I don't know if it was heroin. I don't know what he was on, but he wasn't even rational. Hmm. Um, And so my definition of codependence and, you know, I can share the the dictionary definition definition too. But my definition of codependence is a constant pattern of setting yourself on fire to keep someone else warm. Oh, yes. So, you know, I mean, he was wasted. Mm -hmm. And I believe the story he told me that he was upset about his sister. Um, I lied for him. Mm. I did all these things that people in codependent relationships do. Yeah. Um, And, you know, the biggest thing I did was lie to myself. Right. Um, And there was a huge part of me that was furious with myself Mm -hmm. for falling into the patterns that adult children of alcoholics fall into. You know, we all have a tendency to marry other alcoholics and addicts. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, I was furious with myself instead of being furious with him Mm -hmm. for lying to me and for faking who he was and what he was. Yes. And yeah. Well, thank you for, you know, just being brave enough to come on the show and talk about all this. I know it's not easy. Um, One of the things I want to point out that you said is like, you know, you didn't know in the beginning and, the reason I, I wanted to point this out is because a lot of empaths that try to keep, you know, other people happy, um, they, they, they will do anything in their power and it's kind of like blinders. And I know I've been there. I know I've talked to other empaths that they don't realize it until after the damage is done. And, um, so I can, I can kind of, re, you know, relate with you and, and, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's your fault and, you know, I've been in there right. in that situation myself, but one thing I wanted to ask you, and I'm sure a lot of uh, listeners are wondering is, um, was there any type of sign 
like when you met him, was there any red flags that popped up in your head or did you, were you just like, man, this is, this is like the best guy I've ever met. You know, it's interesting you say that because I had four friends that pulled me aside and said, Hey, this, <laughs> this isn't good. And, you know, as we usually do, when people tell us we're making a mistake, we tend to reject them mm-hmm. and ignore them. Um, and my father, years later, um, after I had left the relationship, told me that he could see right through my husband, mm. but that he didn't tell me because he knew it would drive me away. So, yeah, I mean, I was receiving all sorts of red flags, but I chose not to pay attention to them. Right. And, you know, that seems to be a lot of the common theme, especially with a lot of other guests, especially the, the narcissist episodes. And, um, a lot of the guests have been here on the past. They have, uh, described exactly kind of your pattern. What you're saying is like, there was no signs whatsoever. He was perfect. And then all of a sudden the floor drops from underneath you and you're like shocked like how is he like an alcoholic how is he a drug addict you know like all these questions and um i can't even imagine like what your life was afterwards are you as far as the recovery process before we we talk about that do you have triggers now are you on guard now are you like what have you what's going on as far as like your day-to-day life now um as far as have you been able to kind of recover from from this traumatic experience oh yeah and that's why i'm so thankful um you know a lot of people experience trauma like i did um and it's such a huge trauma that they kind of get stuck there. And I understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, I had to choose to move beyond that. Mm -hmm. Um, We stayed married for about 10 years. And during that time, I would kick him out. And he would, you know, he'd have this miraculous change. And so I'd say, okay, come (laughs) back home. And then that would last, you know, that pattern. Um, And so finally, we were living in Mexico, Mm -hmm. and I finally, I mean, finally, the, you know, the straw happened that broke the camel's Mm -hmm. back, and my children and I left him, Mm -hmm. um, and came home, and as soon as I wasn't underneath that oppression all the time, Mm -hmm. it's like I started to get to know myself again. Right. Um, And I started to realize that all the lies I'd been told Mm -hmm. weren't true. Um, And so that healing was incredible. And then eight months after we separated, he committed suicide. Oh, man. So, um, yeah, and, and that was tragic. But I will share this because I want other people to understand that, you know, if you lose a partner for any reason who has been abusive and neglectful, Mm -hmm. it's okay to feel like you've been set free. Yeah. Um, And it's not your fault. 
they made that choice or, you know, whatever happened, happened. So we can't continue to take blame for them once they're out of our lives. I hear you. And, you know, it's definitely not easy. And there's a lot of people out there that are listening that, that are suffering. Um, and some of them probably won't get to where you're at as far as like, I mean, just the way you're talking and, um, it seems like you've learned from this experience, but that kind of, you know, that kind of gears me to ask you this, like for all the people that are listening, male or female, I mean, this could happen to both, but what can you kind of, what can you kind of say to somebody that's listening that may have gone through what you have? And then can you also maybe touch on like the signs um, and then also the intimacy and the sex part, like how does that all tie in? Like, as far as like, how do you even get on with your life after that and be close to somebody? Um, Those are great questions. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be brutally honest for me personally. (laughs) Um, you know, we were in a church setting, um, and once I left him and realized everything I believed in about myself was a lie, I was angry with God. I mean, really angry. Yeah. Um, and so I, I became very promiscuous and I'm not proud of that. Right. Um, nor do I recommend that, <laughs> but, um, you know, I finally realized that that was harming me just as much as anything else I'd been through had. Um, so that was kind of how I acted out what I felt was doing the right thing for all the, you know, against doing the right thing for all those years. Mm-hmm. But as I said, as I you know, as I started to realize more and more and more what, that everything I'd been hearing and everything I believed myself was an absolute lie, mm-hmm. um, I I recognized that as I started to date, and obviously, I mean, for a long time, I had no interest in dating whatsoever. I bet, yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to go there again. <laughs> Um, but I, but as, you know, as I reached a comfort point with dating and just dating, not falling into a deep relationship, um, I recognized that the guys I was dating became healthier and healthier, if that makes sense. Sure. So as I was healing, as I was, you know, there's an old saying that you can bury the garbage, but that doesn't stop it from stinking. (laughs) Right. Um, I had a lot of garbage to dig through and deal with. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't always painful, but being able to work through it and then get rid of it um, brought so much healing. And so ultimately, I met a guy, um, and I still wasn't interested in marriage or anything else, but I met a guy. And we, um, he told me afterwards that he could sense 
that he needed to move very, very slowly physically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think we'd been dating five months before he even held my hand. Wow. And that was what I needed. Yeah. And all I can say is that he taught me what true love was. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we've been married 16 years now. We have an incredible marriage. Uh, And, you know, the communication we have compared to what I had with my first husband is just, it blows me away. Mm -hmm. So, So, yeah. uh, Go ahead. Oh, I was just, I was just going to say you've, you've had both sides. Um, You've had (laughs) extreme case and then you flipped on the other side and you got some, you know, you got somebody who treats you right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I still, I mean, you know, I don't care what we go through and how much healing we've received and worked to accomplish. We will still have triggers. Um, And there are still times when my husband will do something very innocently that I recognize or that I react to irrationally. Um, And at this point, I know to ask myself, you know, this, this doesn't make sense. Why are you reacting this way? Um, so that I don't create conflict. I'm able to just say, mm-hmm. Oh, this comes from this. I already worked on this. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously I have more work to do, but I don't have to get upset mm-hmm. about this. What would be like the first thing you would say that, you, that maybe worked for you or somebody that, you know, um, to start that, that recovery process because some people just um, it's a daily thing and and there is no finish line. They, they have to keep working at it and constantly be, you know, making sure that they're um, they don't fall back in this, uh, this horrific event or, and they're always kind of like hyper vigilant. And that's what I kind of get from, from a lot of people that have been through traumatic experiences where they don't let go. Um, but there is no right or wrong way to recover. Right. I mean, what, what worked for you may not work for somebody else, but I'm just curious from your experience, what would be the first thing that you can tell somebody that's listening out there that might be actually in this situation that you're in? Um, what I had to learn is that I'm worthy. And that's what I would say. You are worthy. You are worthy of healing. You are lovable. um, And you deserve healing. Because I know when I came out of it, I had no self-worth. You know, and I was so used to being talked down to that I felt worthless. Um, And most of all, I felt like I didn't deserve to be happy. I didn't deserve to have good things. Um, and so, and I mean, I'll be honest, um, the, the person that taught me the most how to love myself again was God. And I know we all have come from different belief systems, but, you know, for me, just recognizing that I am deeply loved and there is nothing I can do that can stop that divine love that brought a tremendous amount of healing. Well, (laughs) 
you're definitely brave to come on this show and um, explain all of that to all the audience out there. So hopefully someone could actually learn from you and um, maybe get some closure and start living their lives. I know with empaths and highly sensitive people, we're constantly in that mode of, you know, trying to please other people and putting ourselves second. So um, I think this, this episode will definitely open up uh, at least the conversation that, you know, look at your relationships, you know, look at for the, look at the signs. Um, so I wanted to change it up real quick and, and just ask you this, um, if you can imagine, you know, you going back in time and the person that you are now, that you've, all the things you've been through and all the wisdom that you've gathered, if you can go back before, um, all this happened and talk to that, that girl or Pamela, um, what would you tell her that everything that you learn now, like if you can just hop in a time machine and go back and be like, Hey, everything's going to be okay, but you have to look out for this, this, and this, what does that look like for you? I would say don't ever settle. Um, you deserve better. Don't settle for, you know, the first guy that shows attention. <laughs> uh, and I would also say you are worthy of being truly loved. You are worthy of, you know, having nice things. Just you are worthy completely, totally. Mm-hmm. Very well said. Very well said. Um, before we we f- uh, finish this episode, is there is there anything you want to leave us with um, that you'd like to share with the audience? Every, you know, maybe one piece of advice that that you feel that sticks out in in your mind after all these years of abuse and trauma. Yeah, um, I would say. What happened for me was the day I realized I was lying for my husband constantly. Um, You know, if he was too hungover to go to an event, I would lie and say he was sick. Um, And I mean, I am all about honesty. So (laughs) I would say quit lying for that person. Mm -hmm. Quit lying to yourself. Quit lying to other people and force them to take some responsibility. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I would say as an empath is that I had to learn that being an empath is a huge gift. Yeah. Um, 20 years ago, being an empath was considered one of the most beautiful gifts you could receive. Mm-hmm. And now a lot of people look at it as a curse. And so I would say as an empath, that I had to learn that it's a gift to be able to recognize what other people are thinking and feeling, but that I could choose not to receive that. Mm-hmm. And so in my relationship with my husband, I went from, you know, constantly walking on eggshells, trying to make mm-hmm. sure nothing set off his anger. I went from that to trying to be myself. And recognizing that his negative attitude and his anger weren't my fault. Mm -hmm. 
and that I didn't have to receive that because it didn't belong to me. Right. Those are some powerful advice. So all you guys that are listening out there, you know, um, take some notes on this. I know I will. And, you know, I guess it goes for everyone, not just, you know, male or female. It's It could happen to anyone. And so being an empath, you don't have to be ashamed about it, but you also have to, you know, be on the lookout to make sure that people aren't taking advantage of you and so you can avoid, you know, any type of tragic event. So with that said, um, Pamela, thank you so much for being a guest on this show. I, I really appreciate you coming on and being transparent. And I know it's not easy for you, but thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And you know what? Nowadays, <laughs> I love to share my story because I know I know it will be used for other people to receive healing. Yes. Um, so I'm not ashamed of it. Right. It is, it's in the past. Right. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for this opportunity to share. I appreciate how you help each other. Yes. And, and that's, you know, that's what this, you know, whole podcast is about. It's, you know, my main purpose is to, you know, get people's story out there so we can all like be one and help one another. And so far, you know, it's been awesome. So thanks again for all of your um, wisdom and, you know, keep, keep, you know, doing what you're doing. I like your YouTube, you know, that you started and, um, and you definitely have some good information there too. So with that said, guys, that does it for this episode. Always, if you can uh, please go ahead and review me on iTunes, it helps me make more episodes um, like this and uh, keep going. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in on the On Call Empath. You're listening to the On Call Empath.